Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast, where we interview intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world and unpack their stories as we talk sports, faith, and life. I'm Bryce Johnson. Our guest today is Justin Wren. He's a professional MMA fighter for Bellator MMA. He began competing in 2006 and has spent time in the UFC and as a cast member on Spike TV's The Ultimate Fighter. His overall record is 14-2. Beyond the cage, he's got a strong passion to fight for the most bullied people in the world. He is the founder of Fight for the Forgotten, and he wrote a book with the same name. He joins us in just a moment on behalf of Water 4 and will tell us about a campaign called Dig Deeper to help bring water to 5,000 people in Uganda. Before we get to that conversation, I want to encourage you to check out our website, unpackingit.com. Sign up for our email devotional, and you can receive that each weekday in your email inbox. While you're there, you can also donate and support Unpacking It Ministries, and make sure you subscribe to our podcast where you'll get the the podcasts that are interview-based, uh, as well as some of our other podcasts, including the two-minute timeout uh, that we do each week. So check that out as well. It's all in the same podcast feed. Stick around. At the end of today's conversation with Justin, I'll give you my big takeaway from the interview and wrap things up. But thanks so much for being with us. Let's jump right in. Here's Justin Wren. Justin, thanks so much for joining us today on Unpacking It to Talk Sports, Faith, and Life. How are you? Doing good, really well. Thanks for having me. Well, we're, we're psyched to have you and, and, and looking forward to, to talking a little MMA, but also what you're doing uh, away from the cage as well. And, and, and really, first off, though, I want to jump into your story. And, and I want to begin when, when you were in high school and you're a top wrestler and, and you're looking to continue it in college, who was Justin Wren then? And, and what was your focus and plan at that point in your life? Oh, high school, uh, I started to get confidence. I grew up getting very heavily bullied, actually. Sat at the lunch table by myself, got oh. pelted in the back of the head with chocolate milk spit wads and different stuff. Uh, uh, that was in middle school. Um, in high school and in middle school, I found my dream, uh, which was my childhood dream, which was to be an MMA fighter. Mm. Um, legitimately, that was it. I wanted to be a fighter. Um, I thought when I saw those guys on the UFC VHS tapes, I thought these guys probably don't get bullied. Um, they probably know how to defend themselves, uh, or at least stand up for themselves. And, um, then, uh, I don't know. I fell in love with the human chess match of it. So, uh, became a couple time national champion in wrestling and, uh, I was looking towards the Olympics, uh, the Olympic training center. I had all the colleges asking me to come there, but then I had the Olympic training center come to me. Um, and so I chose, uh, to go there when I was about a junior or actually, sorry, a senior in high school, uh, but my, my heart was kind of set on it as a junior. So that's, that's kind of who I was. And after wrestling, I wanted to go into MMA. Okay, so so here you are. You're you're in college, and and you you transition into MMA, and you get this incredible opportunity. Your your break on the Ultimate Fighter, and and so what was the initial experience like, and and really what path did this take you down? 
Well, I, yeah, got on the Ultimate Fighter TV show. That was also a goal. I wrote down when I was a senior in high school. And a couple of years later, I was on the Ultimate Fighter, youngest guy there, 21 when I got selected for it. Wow. And 22, whenever uh, we actually started filming or during the filming. And, uh, man, I was the youngest guy, started fighting professionally at 19 years old. And um, I was the youngest heavyweight in the country uh, doing that professionally. And, yeah, so the childhood dream became reality. And, uh, yeah, it seemed like everything was, uh, was going exactly as planned. Wow. Justin Wren, our guest right now on Unpacking It, professional MMA fighter. And, and so you're, you're living what you thought was, was your dream. And, and so then things began to, I, I guess, change a little bit for you. And, and you kind of got caught up in some, some other stuff that, that wasn't necessarily ideal. Yeah. So I suffered an injury. I, I broke my elbow, dislocated my elbow and tore the ulnary collateral ligament completely. Oh. Um, and I also had nerve damage. I, I don't even have a funny bone anymore. Uh, the nerve has been moved uh, down my bicep and forearm instead of in the back. Oh. Um, and so um, I had to wait for a surgeon and uh, I don't know, just, it was, it was pretty bad that my insurance company would only approve a, uh, a knee, mainly a knee and ankle doctor to do my elbow surgery. He had done a few elbow surgeries and, uh, and he, he went through an appeal process with me, uh, to get me a good doctor. Cause he's saying, look, if you're a world-class athlete, if you're a professional athlete, um, if you might want to represent us in the Olympics one day or do this as a profession, um, continue to do it as a profession, then, uh, you need to have a specialist that performs on athletes and does elbow surgeries. It just kind of makes sense. And so uh, we had to go through three appeals. He wrote letters for two. He showed up at the third. Um, and finally, we got a good doctor uh, to do, uh, the right doctor to do my elbow surgery. But during the meantime, that took four months. Wow. And so the only thing the doctor could do was, was give me um, narcotics or opioids uh, oh. to give me uh, oxy. And so, um, man, I fell into a deep, dark depression because I was told the longer it took to get the surgery, um, took down my chances of being able to compete again. I was told when I got the surgery, I only had a 30 to 35% chance that I would be able to, uh, use, use my arm like I wanted, uh, to compete. And so, um, that kind of, I don't know, rocked my foundation. That's who I was. Mm. Uh, Every, I put all my eggs in one basket, and it was uh, my identity was being a fighter, was being an athlete. Um, it was my purpose. It was my significance. It's where I found my value, uh, and it was all about to be potentially taken away from me. And the depression that I got clinically diagnosed with at 13 years old resurfaced again, um, and I battled uh, the the biggest battle of my life, which was uh, depression and addiction and even suicidal thoughts. Oh, man. Justin Wren, our guest right now on Unpacking It, MMA fighter. And, and so we're in the middle of his, of his story uh, right now, and it's a, it's a time period where, where you're struggling. And, and so do you end up then having the surgery, and at what point then 
did you leave fighting and, and what kind of led to that decision? Yeah. So I, I, um, I got back into fighting. I mean, I, my addictions flared up really bad there and they, they continued for about six years. Um, and so I was hiding it. Uh, mm. even when I was on the ultimate fighter, I was hiding it whenever I, I mean, I became, I think, I don't know, 12, 12 and two professionally wow. and the whole time I was battling, uh, addictions and, uh, for the most part depression. And so, um, I could play a good game, uh, with it and, uh, or, or how would I say that? I had three different doctors in three different states. This was, I had doctors in the same state before they started communicating, uh, the pharmacies. And then, uh, when they started communicating in state, I started having to go across state lines, um, and have doctors that would give me 120, uh, 90 and 60 each and every month. And then I'd find it whenever I'd run out of those. Um, and so it was, it was a tough, tough battle. I, I remember missing, um, different periods of my life because of I'd go off on these big benders or benches and, um, and I'd miss like eight weeks of my life. Uh, and, uh, after that one time that it was an extended period of time, I remember getting a voicemail. It was my best friend. And on the other line, he said, I can't believe you missed my wedding. Um, I can't believe my best man didn't show up. And so I was just in a very dark, dangerous, depressed place, um, desperate for a change. Um, and, and it took God, uh, coming in my life. And I, I say, God loved the hell out of me Amen. <laughs> in the best way possible and the most literal way possible. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was seven years, uh, two months and 13 days ago that I, I tapped out, gave up, surrendered my life to Christ, submitted my life to him and uh it's the best decision i've ever made in my life amen well okay so so take me into then this this powerful conversion and surrender and and kind of i guess what was your your thought or perspective on god before this ultimate surrender oh i i'm kind of sort of sort of kind at times embarrassed of of my thoughts on and perspective towards God, yeah. uh, before I actually came to know him because, uh, I thought it was foolish. I thought it was weakness. Um, I thought it was fake mostly. Wow. Um, I, I had experienced a lot of, uh, a lot of religion and never experienced relationship with God, mm. um, or people modeling that out. And so I thought it was just a bunch of rules and regulations and restrictions and, and that it was a dead, dry, uh, religion. And so, um, I experienced a ton of the fake stuff and even in high school, uh, graduated with uh, a favorite quote of mine, or at least it was a favorite quote, which was from Gandhi. And it said, I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. Mm. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Mm. Um, and so, uh, but now that, that, that quote really motivated me to hopefully, you know, be what, God called us to be and be more and more Christ-like um, so that way we don't push people away, but we draw them in. Um, and, and yeah, so I, I, I had a very bad taste in my mouth, especially towards Christians or church, um, maybe not so much towards God. Uh, but yeah, whenever 
I was around 34 men at a men's retreat um, where I thought it was going to be a drug rehab center kind of thing. Uh, It wasn't. It was just Christians, loving people, um, and kind of stumbled upon it and and, and got almost sucked into it, but but in the best way possible. And, uh, and yeah, these guys that were loving God, um, and they were modeling that out in front of me and they were loving each other, loving me, um, knowing that I was going through a tough time. I brought drugs with me on the retreat, um, and, uh, gave my life to Christ with, uh, drugs in my pocket. So, um, so man, it, it, God radically, uh, transformed my life. Amen. Gosh, what a powerful story. Justin Wren, our guest today on Unpacking It, a professional MMA fighter. And, and I can't wait to share what he's doing now uh, in addition to, to his work with, with MMA. Um, but, but so, okay, so here you are at this, this men's retreat and, and, and you, you experience a very real God and, and a, a surrender to Christ. And, and so here you are, though, battling in, in deep drugs and, and addiction. So what was that experience like then the, the coming days and, and months where this transformation began to take place? Yeah, I would say that uh, it there was a huge transformation, uh, but it, inside, um, but I didn't start to see it externally until I started to work it out or walk out. Yeah, uh, yeah. my faith. Yep. Um, and so, about four months in, I, I gave my life to Christ in Texas. I went back to Colorado, surrounded by all the same friends, a lot of the same addicts, um, and I fell back about four months into it. Mm. Um, so it wasn't like a one and done experience. Like I, I, I had another battle with that, a uh, several week long binge felt so guilty, ashamed, um, felt like was the decision I made. Was it, was it true? Was it, you know, did I feel God? Did God feel me? I had all these questions. Um, but then, uh, God led some very specific and influential people in my life in Colorado. And, uh, it just led me um, closer to him and drew me in even closer and closer. I started walking out that personal relationship. I think at the time I thought it was a one-time decision instead of a daily decision. Um, And man, uh, about, I started getting involved. I stopped fighting. I walked away from the sport. I didn't want to go back into uh, just right into the same environment where if you win, uh, you win big and party big. And if you lose, you, you try to numb yourself and forget about it. Mm. Um, and so at least that was a lot of the fighters I was surrounded with and what I would do as well. So win or lose, there's a, a reason to use. Um, and so I, uh, I stepped away from the sport, got involved in my youth group, uh, heavily involved in my church. And then, um, let's see, uh, started volunteering at a children's hospital, oh. then a homeless shelter, then a drug rehab center. And I just started seeing like, God, like, you know, use me or like, let me, let me do something to, to love people, to love you. Um, and just kind of had, had my head on a swivel looking for opportunities to get involved and anywhere I could volunteer, uh, I would volunteer. Mm. Um, and that just started to transform my life. I, I love a quote. I, I think it's an Aristotle quote or something like that, but it's, uh, it's no act of kindness, no matter how small it goes wasted. Mm. And so I was like, God, I just want to be kind uh, to people. I want to love people. I want to love you, love people, and push back darkness. And so help help me do that with my life. Um, and fight the good fight. Fight for people. Um, I was always used to fighting against people, but, but now I wanted to fight for people. 
Um, and uh, about 11 months into my faith, I uh, found myself in the Congo with the Mabuti <laughs> Pygmies uh, and uh, just kind of a crazy, crazy turn of events. Yeah, well, no, I want to I want to unpack this whole experience because this is just an incredible story to, to see what God has done in your life and then to, to give you this this heart and passion to, to fight for the most bullied people in the world. And, and so you ended up uh, becoming the founder of Fight for the Forgotten. You wrote a book with the same name. And so like you mentioned, you, you had this calling to serve the pygmy people deep in the jungles of the Congo. So, so how did you end up there, I guess, initially, and then you ended up spending a whole year there? Yeah, so, and now over the last six years, I've spent about two years there okay. on the ground nice. and, uh, and absolutely, absolutely love them, uh, have fallen in love with their culture um, and who they are and their way of life. Um, and the first year, kind of a scouting trip to see if we could, if if we could just learn um, what they were going through and some of the oppression and after researching, it just shattered my heart. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's a, it's a really wild story. It's the second chapter of the book um, of how I even felt the call uh, to go there, but it's, it's a much longer story than we have time for. Yeah. But, um, but once, once that happened uh, and, and, and God gave me a vision uh, to go there I just felt like, um, you know, I'd have sleepless nights where I'm just researching in front of my computer, uh, translating things from Swahili or French into English on Google Translate and try to read articles and wow. um, watching documentaries. And uh, so went there and just had my heart shattered, you know, getting into the villages and, and seeing people that had their ribs poking out and coughing mm. up lungs or tuberculosis or wow. actual lepro- leprosy, actual leprosy and HIV or, or people that just didn't have clean water and how sick uh, mm. they were because of that. And meeting a slave for the first time, uh, Namboli, who was carrying about a hundred to 120 pound bag of charcoal on her back that her, that her slave masters would put on her back. Two men would put it on her back, tie it around her head and then she would have to walk through the rainforest oh. like that um, and hike it out to a, to a truck that would haul it into the towns and cities uh, so that people could cook on it. And, um, oh. and it was just brutal. It just wrecked my heart. I, I had a, you know, didn't know about the water crisis till it slapped me upside the head and, yeah. and forever, forever gripped my heart when I had a one-and-a-half-year-old boy that I was holding. Um, his name was Andy Bo, uh, and he passed away just because of dirty water. Oh. Um, and then digging into it and realizing and having that actual same story basically repeat itself again with a little guy named Babo and then seeing my friends Captula and Sangule and little Mo, uh, all pass away. Oh. Um, uh, it just, it just made me want to go on a mission to, to fight for what they called themselves which was the forgotten. Uh, they said everyone else calls us the forest people, but we call ourselves the forgotten. Mm. Gosh. And so then you, you, I mean, just, it's, it's heartbreaking, but, but the, the, the good that you've now established in, in, in our, your, your mission and, and, and the campaign that you're a part of, you're the founder of fight for the forgotten. And so like you mentioned, the, these people call themselves the, the, the forgotten. And, and so you've also been able to then partner with water for, 
and and you guys are are all about raising money in order to build these wells to help these people that you're you're, you're talking about who who just don't have clean water. So so tell us all about it the the, the passion the, the how we can help how we can be a part of it and and what's what's going on. Yeah, so our our whole thing is to empower the people who suffer the most um, to to defend the weak, love the unloved, and to empower the voiceless. That's our mission statement. And so the best way we do that is we say that opportunity is greater than charity. Mm. Um, That charity can be great, but opportunity is always better. Um, And so how do we create opportunities for people um, who don't have clean water? Uh, And so we put the tools in their hands, we train them up, put the knowledge in their heads, we help them create their own entities inside their community, their country, their culture, uh, that will be self-sustained by them. Mm. It's dependent on them, not dependent on us or the West or our funding or everything else. Like uh, initially, it is dependent on our funding, but eventually, it becomes completely dependent on dependent on them securing contracts within their own uh, community to continue drilling the wells, uh, to to repair, replace, uh, maintenance um, the wells. And so it's just been a really beautiful thing. Last year alone, we had 44 well drilling teams uh, underneath Water 4. So Fight for the Forgotten is an initiative underneath Water 4. Gotcha. It's, yep. a, it's a nonprofit ministry um, that last year alone empowered 396 people in the continent of Africa uh, to have jobs, to drill wells. And they were able to drill 690 water wells last year alone serving 172,000 people. Wow. And so right now we have a campaign called Dig Deeper. And it's, the website for it is water4.org slash dig deeper. And on that website, we're about to hopefully get 5,000 people in Uganda, clean water. Mm. Uh, these are men that, that helped me and my team in Congo drill 65 water wells. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have known how to drill wells. They came, left their country, trained us up, and taught us how to drill our first eight or nine water wells. It was completely because they came to teach us. And now we're trying to give back and dig deeper with them and help them drill five more wells but start up water vending kiosk where they will, the community will pay five cents per jerry can of water. Um, they put it under a tap, and uh, a jerry can is five gallons. So five cents for five gallons, very reasonable. But in those small incremental amounts, we get to drill more water wells over the course of a year. So these five water vending kiosks first will serve 5,000 people. Um, and then from that, we'll be able to go and drill uh, five more water wells and hopefully serve another 5,000 people at the end of the year once all that money adds up. Oh. And so it's about self, being self-sufficient and sustainable um, and empowering them to be able to be the very solution to the problems that they face. I, I love it. I love it. Again, it's water4.org slash dig deeper. He's Justin Wren. He's a part of the, the, this campaign called Dig Deeper with Water 4. They're raising $25,000. Even $10 changes the life uh, of one person and, and helping them get clean water. And, and Justin, my wife and I will donate and, and encourage the, the listeners wow. to, to donate as well. And man, I just love hearing your story. I love what God has already done in your life and is continuing to do and, and just transforming you to, 
to, to have an impact on the world. And so, man, thankful to, to be a part of it with you and, and also for you to be a part of unpacking it today and just sharing your heart and passion uh, with our listeners today. So thank you so much. Bryce, thank you so much for, for having me on. And I'm, I'm so stoked. Thank you for your personal donation. That, that's incredible. Well, when, once we hit that $25,000, we have a, a, a dollar for dollar match that will kick in and it will double it to 50. So Love thank it. you. Thank you. Thank you. Love it. That's awesome. Now we're, we're behind you and, and man, excited to uh, just continue to, to follow your career uh, as an MMA fighter, but, but even beyond that, what you're doing uh, uh, away from the cage as well. So so thanks, Justin. Keep Thank you, in, brother. Keep in touch and uh, and have an awesome rest of your week. Awesome. Thanks so much, buddy. All right. Thanks a lot. There's Justin Wren joining us here on Unpacking It. So there you go. My first interview with an MMA fighter. Man, he's cool. He's awesome. Love what he's doing. Love his heart and his mission and, and glad to be a part of, of what he's doing and, and I hope that you enjoyed that interview and, and really that, that you're inspired by his story of what God has done in his life. And the big takeaway for me and hopefully for you today is just the maybe the obvious thing of how cool it is that a fighter, Justin Wren, who went from wrestling to MMA and, and has this mentality of fighting, is leveraging that passion to fight for the forgotten. And I know it's a, a simple connection, but I just think it's so powerful. And that really is how God uses us because he'll take our passions. And when we surrender, when we submit and say, all right, Lord, use me for your glory, for your purposes, he will. Because I can speak to that in my own life. I love to talk about sports. I love to talk. I love to communicate. I love to, to be around other people. And what has he done? He's, he's allowed me to talk about sports on the radio, but at the same time, I love talking about faith, I love talking about him, and, and I'm, I'm using this passion for talk, for sports talk, and I'm, I'm doing it for his glory. And, and so I hope today you'll consider what is maybe the gift, the passion, or, or maybe it's just this, this action that, that represents your life that you can leverage for good and for his glory. And so whether you're, you're an accountant and you can lend those services to help other people when you're, you're not on the clock and, and whatever the job may be, that, that maybe you're a salesman. And, and guess what? You probably have the gift of evangelism. If you're willing to, to put yourself out there and, and sell a product for work, sharing the gospel is a, a little different than that, but a lot of it is a, a similar personality and a passion to, to be with other people and, and to share something that you think that person needs. And so uh, that, that, that's the big takeaway today from Justin Wren. He's a fighter. That's what he is. And he, he fought against drugs and alcohol with, with the power of the Holy Spirit to, to be able to um, move him forward on this journey and to surrender. And so it's just an awesome story that now he's fighting for other people and, and fighting for, for people to have clean water, was something we take for granted. For sure. I'm staring at a, a big bottle of water right next to my desk. And, and honestly, how often do I think about what a, what a privilege and, and a wonderful thing it is for me to be able to easily grab this big old thing of water and other people don't have that. So I hope you'll consider donating to uh, their cause as well. Uh, water for 
Org is is the website to go to waterfororg slash dig deeper and so uh thanks for listening today have a wonderful week we'll talk to you next time right here on the unpacking it podcast